It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How are you? I'm great. Had a fun time at the fair and rodeo last week. You know, you're the, it's the first time I ever saw you push your stomach in here with a wheelbarrow because you ate too many of the... I ate uh, everything I could find at the fair. <laughs> Why does food taste better at a fair? It does. And corn on the cob, every time I was there, corn on the cob, oh yeah. And maple bars. Maple bars Mm. were fantastic, and they sold a lot of them. And then you had to come in here this morning without anything in your hands and tell me how they made them and everything, and I'm sitting here drooling all over my microphone. But you got to get them fresh. Yeah. If I'd have brought you some from Saturday, you'd have said, uh, not so good. Test me. Go ahead, okay. test me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what do we got? Okay. Uh, today's story is called the Dromedary Express. Oh, by the way, we don't have any thank yous or anything? Not today. Okay. No. All right. The Dromedary Express. You know what a dromedary is? Yeah, it's a camel. You're right. Yeah. Okay. You thought I was a big, dumb cowboy. <laughs> oh, you're well read, Zeb. Okay. So, you know, so this is up in Canada, uh, British Columbia, where oh, this really? took place. So there's a lot of fortunes that were made by men who freighted goods over the more than 350 heartbreaking miles between a place called Fort Yale on the Fraser River and a little outpost called Quesnel and later Barkerville in British Columbia during the gold rush. And there were a lot of fortunes made and there were a lot of fortunes lost. Now one of these freight handlers was a guy named Frank Lawmaster. And he came to Caribou Country in 1859. And, of you know, Gold Rush always lures a lot of people into oh, the yeah. area, you know. Yeah. But uh, so he had a mule pack train uh, that uh, competed with horses and ox-drawn wagons. And because of the extreme hazards of the route and the time consumed, the cost of mailing a letter outside by 1860 was $1. Now, really? back $1860, $1 to get a, a letter carried out i mean that's a that's a lot of money a lot of money yeah and did they have any surety that it would get me not necessarily and we'll kind of talk about that and uh give me a high five zeb when uh time uh remind me of the time okay high five (laughs) okay Uh, I should I, I should not even ask. High five. <laughs> okay. So Frank Lawmaster's pack train of 24 mules could cover about 15 miles a day. From Yale, the starting point, the road clung to the rocky walls of the Fraser Canyon for six dangerous, tedious miles. 
but then that was sometimes followed by the desert-like terrain covered with sagebrush. I would uh, imagine those mountain trails. I don't know if you I'm going to show picture. you a picture. I bet you it is scary. Okay, look at this, Zeb. Oh, my goodness sakes. Okay. And they went around that on the edge? See, see the road? And then back oh. there you can see a team pulling a wagon. A wagon went on that thing? Yeah. Now, here's another picture. Oh, my. Okay, look how narrow that is. Uh, and steep. It drops down to the Fraser River. And steep on the other side, you can't climb it. And this is what the freighters put up with. There's a big sign there that says, you are here and you better stay there. <laughs> and you, be careful. Be right. very careful. Well, anyway, Lawmaster knew that their jobs, uh, knew um, his men knew their jobs. But nevertheless, animals and the costly cargo were often lost when the animals would careen off the mountain. Oh, my. Uh, during a bad stretch of the trail. Wow. So it was dangerous going. And, you know, I can't help but think that maybe some of the men went over with with their teams and wagons. Yeah, really. Possibly. Wow. So anyway, so Frank Lawmaster uh, somehow got some news in a letter. And here's what he said. He told one of his employees, quote, The United States Army is disposing of some camels they've been using as pack animals. I've come to the conclusion that camels would be ideal for hauling heavy loads up here. I intend to take the steamer out today and go down to the States, try to keep things running smoothly while I'm away. So you got the picture. He's headed down to buy some camels. Really? Down. And take them to Alaska? Yeah, uh, to Canada. 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 Pardon me. Yeah. So Lawmaster uh, purchased 23 camels for $6,000. Which is kind of expensive. Oh, yeah. But in getting them aboard the ship at San Francisco, one managed to escape. And on the stormy trip north, another one died. At Victoria, the crowd stared. He loaded the remaining 21 onto the paddle wheeler, the Emily Harris, and so returned up to Yale, where he was going to use them. Now, when one escaped, I'm just going to say this, it wouldn't be hard to find them. (laughs) Well, it was San Francisco. I don't know. Where would the camel hide? You know. So anyway, boat day at Yale always created a stir of interest, and it was customary for many people to gather at the landing, and never was there such a commotion as on that bright day in May of 1862 when the camels made their appearance. Oh, so that was an exciting time, you know, when the steamer yeah. came in and yeah. unloaded goods and stuff, and here was something they'd never seen before. So it says, that was indeed a most unusual sight. And it says, the beast lumbered off the steamer, followed immediately by another and then another until the full quota of 21 had disembarked. The crowd was speechless. Few among them had ever seen uh, more than a picture of one of these, you know what they're called, ships of the desert. Yeah, and they must have been halfway broken or trained. Well, the the army had used them for to pack. Oh. And now I've also heard stories about how some of those escaped, you know, and uh, roamed the deserts uh, of the southwest uh, until they died off. I see. So, oh. but as the animals filed off the ship, the leaders, the camel leaders, spied a mule tied near the landing, and without absolutely no warning, attacked it with slashing hooves and biting teeth. The mule was killed before the amazed bystanders could attempt to rescue. 
Then the camels turned their rage against the onlooker, onlookers. Really? <laughs> Not really friendly camels. Uh, I've never known that one would be. <laughs> I've heard they used to have a camel down by Mesquite, Nevada, right on the interstate. Oh, yeah? Okay. And you could pull in there and see and that son of a gun. Every time you got near the fence, he'd spit at you. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Well, so this lawmaster, you know, this guy, uh, he pulled out his wallet and paid the man more than the mule's actual value for the yeah. mule that got killed. Sure. So, in addition to their excessively vile tempers, the camels had the most terrible odor. Yeah, that's true. And the citizens of Yale retreated, holding their noses and giving the unfamiliar animals plenty of room. Yeah. Now, I can't say I've been close enough to a camel to really smell how bad they must smell. Well, that's your, that's your uh, test for next week. Okay, I'll, I'll find a camel. Okay. So... He quote he says I figure to clear sixty thousand dollars the very first year I worked these camels. Uh, he told the men clustered on the on the dock. He says quote You see they are able to travel fifty miles every day to a mule's fifteen. Each can tote one thousand pounds compared to four hundred, uh, the most that a mule can pack. The real clincher is that if water and grazing are hard to find, these camels can get along several days without either, so I don't see how I can lose. Now, did he have a contract to do this? No, I think he was just a freelance packer. You know, just, we just pack whoever yeah. needed uh, supplies. So, but not only was the smell from the camels unbearable to the men, but to every animal which got a whiff of them, the strange imports also proved, proved to be very antisocial and attacked anything and everything that moved. The men who tried to handle him learned it was a risky business. What did they do? Did they just have a, a halter and a halter shank, or you know, what did they have? All I can say is that, you know, pictures I've seen of just a halter, right? Yeah. Just a halter with How a rope. How many guys did it take to hold on to one of those? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, here's where things kind of went south. The real trouble occurred on the pack trails, which I just showed you pictures of, uh, you know, with the yeah. with the Fraser River down yeah. below and the mountain. Uh, whenever horses, oxen, or mules neared the camels, they immediately tried to bolt uh -oh. and often succeeded. Before long, reports became widespread that whole pack trains had gone crazy with fear and had plunged headlong off the canyon trails or the mountainsides, bearing with them their loads of freight. The camels became known along the Caribou Road as the Dromedary Express and very soon were universally feared and hated. Well, you can imagine. Well, yeah, because I'm just sitting here thinking, those how wide were those trails? Well, I mean, look at that. That's Not very wide. You know, maybe maybe twice as wide as the wagon itself. Yeah. You know? And supposing somebody's coming back right. the and other way. Right, and how do you pass? How do you pass? Well, like I say, it's just barely wide enough for two, so I guess they could pass. But camels are bigger, you know. And they don't like anybody. And they don't like anybody. So, anyway, uh, Lawmaster, uh, he said, I'd be willing to try anything anybody can su suggest uh, to help me with this problem. And so one of his uh, uh, buddies said, well, how about giving them stinking devils a bath? How about washing the camels? Who is going to do this? <laughs> well, let me just keep going. <laughs> So, yeah, they said plenty of strong lye soap ought to help de-skunk them. 
Uh, okay. Uh, you've washed horses, Zeb. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, would you want to? Anyway. Uh, don't bring a camel uh, over no. here. Uh, and then one of the guys offered up a thought. He said, why don't you get some of that OD cologne that's uh, what you can spray them with? Spray them with some cologne. This is getting crazy. <laughs> So you're going to wash them with okay. Lysol. We've washed them with Lysol. Now we're going to spray them with cologne. And they've only ran over and killed four people. Right. And now you're going to put cologne on so them? So a hat was passed and a tidy sum of money was deposited. Two months later, a carefully packed carton reached jail, and it contained the order of O.D. Cologne. Really? So I don't know, a couple of gallons of it or something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. run them through a car wash. Yeah, and so one of his buddies said, for the love of Pete... Wash them stinking brutes with this and make them smell good. Oh, my goodness. Uh, anyway, it was a good try, and the men got a few laughs, but that was about all. Nature had endowed camels with an odor uh, more men could not change. Really? You, can, you can't change the smell of a camel. Yeah. I don't care how much lye soap you use. And they basically have a mind of their own anyway. Yeah, they? it sounds to me like, you know, I, yeah, I've never ridden one. I. I wouldn't mind trying it just for fun. Would you really yeah, get up I'd, on a yeah, camel? Yeah, I'd get on one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Frank Lawmaster soon uh, learned that the terrible roads of the caribou had never been intended for the new burden barriers. Hard pan and flinty rocks combined to tear at the camel's hooves, lacerating them to the extent that at the end of the 700-mile trip, the round trip, these beasts were badly lame. They They just got lame because their feet weren't used to like a mule's or an oxen you know well they didn't really have a hoof or anything uh, no that, i don't know it's kind of like a human hand yeah i don't know regard. how tough it is i mean yeah. they're used to being on sand well you you, know? you get down and pick up the foot. <laughs> no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get that close <laughs> well lawmaster tried to alleviate the situation by having a rawhide and canvas covering made to protect the hooves but nothing could stand up very long against the grinding surface of this of the rocks and the, these freight trails. You know, it's just too rough. So you try to put leather on there, it's not going to last. No. Well, losses suffered by other handlers of the mule trains and horse or ox-drawn wagons continued to mount with terrifying regularity. George Hilton, a young teamster freighting up to Quesnel, met five of the camels going south at a point six miles along the canyon road Uh-oh. from Yale. This was one of the most treacherous stretches, which I showed pictures of, yeah. uh, of the road. Although George was alert to the danger of meeting the, the feared Dromedary Express, he somehow had not bargained for the frenzy into which his 12-horse team was plunged when the wind oh. blowing from the north, uh, they got the whiff of the camels. And they went over the edge? Well... Let me keep going. Well, hurry Snort, up. <laughs> snorting with fear, the horses thundered along the narrow road. And oh, you saw that picture. I'm jumping. The young, man, the young man desperately yanked the heavy reins, but it was a hopeless struggle with the start. When George saw that the lead horses suddenly topple off the edge of the road, pulling the remainder of the large team after them, and the young man did the only thing left to do and hurled himself off the wagon box to his right. Well, this action catapulted him against the sheer rock wall, Ooh. which lined the rock on, uh, of the way on the one side. George was knocked unconscious and was mercifully spared the screams of his horses as it dragged the heavy wagon down on top of them into the churning water of the Fraser Canyon. Holy I mean, smokes. Zeb, you and I are horse lovers. And uh, that's, any, that's really sick. Yeah, I mean, any bad death of an animal yeah. but a horse mules you know it's, it's just hard 
And anyway, uh, somebody said, well, it's happened again. Uh, one of the camel drivers, he stopped beside uh, Hilton's uh, form, and he said, this guy looks pretty bad. Let's try to get him to a doctor. So anyway, uh, they, they did get him to a doctor, and, and I guess uh, he, he was okay. Well, you would have thought, wouldn't you, that the other Teamsters that were going up and down that trail, uh, when the word got out that they were using camels or dromedaries, uh, they would have done something to stop it or whatever. Well, and that's where things kind of started going south on this whole this whole plan. Uh, Lawmaster's freighter forced one of the camels to kneel. Well, this still back to this uh, George guy that uh, got knocked down. Uh, he forced one of the camels to kneel, and together the men placed George Hilton across it. They hurriedly made their way to Yale. The victim's injuries were extensive, though not fatal, and his broken right leg necessitated the use of crutches for months afterwards. Worse still, Hilton claimed that the loss of his freighting outfit had bankrupted him. I mean, you've got all your money wrapped up in this, I don't know how many horses he had in his wagon, oh, but he lost the whole thing. He lost and everything. The, and the freight. And no insurance. No. So, anyway, a lawyer already working upon the numerous lawsuits being filed against Lawmaster took Hilton's case to... The owner of the Dromedary Express was a fair enough man and paid Hilton's damages uh, without argument, but this was just one of many such claims being made against him. Well, at last a petition was signed by the irate freighters and sent to Governor Douglas in Victoria, which was capital of the newly formed uh, province, and uh, the petition was uh, strongly worded, uh, too strongly to be called a request. It was kind of a demand. It really demanded that Lawmaster be forced to take his camels off the road entirely and added that the unwanted beast should be driven out of the country. Absolutely. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, you know, fearing reprisals and realizing that his camels were a total failure, Frank Lawmaster uh, resigned from freighting. He gave a few of the detested camels to friends. Oh, that's a good gift. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Boy, would I like to be his friend. What kind of friend? Here, I got a camel yeah, for you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, but not for any practical purpose, but just for a curiosity. But others were freed in the desert-like country near a place called Kamloops. For over 40 years, camels could be spotted feeding in that section of British Columbia. After 1906, Apparently, no more camels were seen, and it was thought that they had gradually fallen prey to predators like, you know, grizzlies or whatever. Yeah. And lawmaster... Who'd want to get close enough to kill them, though? Right. And, you know, would you want to shoot one to eat? Well, now, wait a minute. You're stretching things. <laughs> I mean, I how hungry would you have I to be? I don't know anybody that's ever said, boy, that camel steak that was good. That camel tasted really good. <laughs> Put them on the old grill. You know, anyway, so Lawmaster, financially unable to meet the mounting number of suits filed against him, and knowing he had no sound defense, he quietly left the country and returned to the United States. He made his home in San Francisco, and some 14 years later, it was reported that he fell off a ferry in San Francisco Harbor and was drowned. Oh, my goodness sakes. So that's the story of the Dromedary Express. There you go. Wow. You know, a lot of people try to come up with ideas for freighting and, uh, you know, but you can't beat the 20 mule teams and oxen and 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 even horses. horses. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was the, the best way to do it.
Can you imagine, though, that you're driving a team of horses and you're going down this really steep, narrow trail, yeah. and all of a sudden your lead horses, uh, they throw their noses up in the air and they're going, hmm, if it were me, I'd be getting off right there. Well, you've right been around there. horses and mules enough. If they get excited or spooked, yep. whether it's a yep. train going by or somebody toots a horn real loud, I mean, they can just go whack them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let alone camels. Yeah, and I <laughs> but I look at these pictures I think that would have been a dangerous road no matter what you're on. You know, we don't well look at the Snake River Canyon though. Oh, the yeah. road that went down into by the Prime Bridge right, right. there. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't travel down there on a wagon. <laughs> no. I mean you know, just driving a car down it, you're paying really close attention. Oh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't go with you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good story. I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah. Uh, I've heard of them, the Army using camels, and I think I did a story on that maybe a long time ago. How would you like to be the private that is assigned to take care of those camels? <laughs> uh, I mean, there not, is such a thing as desertion. I, and I think reenlistment would be a really hard thing to think about. Oh, my goodness. I heard they stunk, and I've I know they're mean, but oh yeah. my goodness! But I'd get on one if I if I had a chance. I would just just to see what it's like. I mean, you know, you see pictures of them riding across the desert at a gallop. And yeah, and I've heard people say that's pretty hard to get in time with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, that would take a little getting used to. Yeah, can you? And they put those little boxes on them on the yeah, top. Yeah, they're just ma- going back and yeah, forth. Yeah, you're and, like a little BB in a bowling alley going <laughs> yeah, back and just forth. Beat everything. to death. <laughs> oh well, the next. Uh, are you going to wear a turban and everything? Well, uh, no. Okay, <laughs> I'm done with camels. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.